are now watching Music of Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned yourself into another episode of Music the Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. I am your very humble host. Join with me, as always, Music the Lifebloods' own third man in the field, Mr. John Carter. Carter, how are things? Good. How about you? It's hot and mm -hmm. I'm sweaty and I haven't put the air conditioners in, so I'm going to be miserable. You're uh, in Indiana. It should be snowing still. <laughs> right. Well, it almost was the other day. It was amazing. All right. So, Carter, today, it was a rainy day today. And one of the things that I always think about when it comes to music on a rainy day is Sam Hain. Mm, good thing to think of. And since uh, we're in May, so that means we're halfway to Music the Lifebloods Dan Ziggerbration. So halfway to Dan Ziggerbration. So I thought it was I thought it was time because we haven't done this for a little while. So we're going to talk a talk a little bit about the world of Danzig. Cool. So as it relates to Danzig and Sam Hain. I was thinking about a song called The Howl off the first Sam Hain album, Initium. Are you familiar with Initium? Yeah. Yeah, okay, good, perfect. All right, so here's a little snippet of The Howl. <laughs> All right, so earlier today, I was thinking about the howl, and I wrote a little something. I posted it on the Music the Lifeblood uh, Facebook, and I'm in a couple like Danzig, Misfits, Sam Hang groups on Facebook that I kind of keep track of what's going on with stuff. So I want to read this to you real quick. All right, I've been thinking about Glenn's writing in Sam Hain this evening, and I thought I'd share some thoughts. Given the identity Sam Hain carved out for itself in such a short period of time, and more importantly, what Glenn would go on to do throughout the rest of his career, footage like this is vital is a vital window into the genesis of the aggressive music uh, in general. I attached a you know a link, a YouTube link to some footage from an old show. Uh, Sam Hain, like the Misfits before them, were breaking new ground with Glenn's darker vision, quote-unquote. I believe Sam Hain and later Danzig developed a high watermark within the assorted genres of music that appropriated themes of the macabre, blasphemy, and forgotten lore of the old world. When it comes to Sam Hain, I always think of the lyrics to The Howl. Quote, there's a grove of tortured forms where all is dark and deeds are foul, and those who ignore and those who pretend that the howl is a joke, their children lie dead. My blood goes to work, I hear the howl, blah, 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 the rest of the song. Given the lingering effects that Christian evangelism by way of religious fundamentalism had on the sociological biology of North American culture, it's important to acknowledge the true enormity of Glenn's knowledge on, for lack of a better term, the occult. He acquired all that functional understanding of those things the old-fashioned way, pre-internet, with diligent reading and research, a hunger for those things that weren't widely understood. And seeing that knowledge being manifested in the lyrics to a song like The Howl might seem like a simple 
might seem like simple musings of a lover of horror, but there's something exceptional there, profound even. To be able to distill the essence of that which unsettles us as a culture and species at a meta level is no sleight of hand trick. And furthermore, to put that thing into the vessel of a song that could whip a crowd into a frenzy is indicative of its profound nature. It takes a genuine understanding of how we are all, some to a lesser extent and some to a more heightened degree, striving to become a more integrated with our shadow, a fully integrated individual. Quote, my blood goes to work, I feel the howl. That's another lyric from the song. Given man's sometimes inarticulate ability to not accept the proverbial beast within, the lyrics to the howl are a brief snapshot into what many of us struggle with that there is potential for all of us to be capable of beast-like things. The howl may not represent a literal howl of the wolves in the distance, but more the proverbial howl that sounds from deep within the primordial goo at the center of what's left of the ability to embrace mayhem at a genetic coding level, long forgotten. That which allowed us to embrace the role of an apex predator and the eventual dominant species that roamed the hills in our formative years as a species. It might seem like a simple three-minute jaunt into the horror-themed storytelling of a, at the time, young songwriter, but no, it's not. It's a subtle reminder via the backdrop of the booming underground music scene of the 1980s that, though man may not sprout for a snout and begin baying at the rise of a full moon, rather that we are quite capable of embodying the predator instincts of that which does possess fur, a snout, and will bay long at the moon through the night. Plus, it's a really good song. Go listen to Sam Hain, Dustin. So, knowing what you know about Sam Hain, I wanted to start this conversation off on some of your thoughts because you and I generally don't talk about um, a lot of stuff surrounding Sam Hain, Misfits, Danzig, that sort of thing. We kind of reserve most of that for Vinyl Thursday and episodes of the Music the Lightblood podcast. So you and I don't always take a deep dive into this. So I thought it was a good opportunity halfway to halfway to Danzigabration. You know, it's Sam Hain in May, so to speak. So what's your thoughts on the the I guess the lyrical stuff? during the Sam Hain epoch of Danzig's career? Um, well, kind of like what you already touched on with, with uh, Sam Hain, it was more, um, I don't really want, like you said, I, I want to steer away from using the term occult, but it's like a little bit more kind of like dark psychological. Sure. You know, like they say, sure. like, you know, embracing your shadow. Um, and that's kind of like, to me, that was really what I saw even at a young age with Sam Hain because it was kind of like, this rooted in kind of like this this death rock that was going on in England and stuff like that. Sure. Very much influenced by like uh, um like by Christian death, you know, and uh, uh, fields of Nephilim and bands like that. That there was kids I knew that were more into that stuff, and like the Sisters of Mercy and Bauhaus that liked Sam Hain, but didn't like the Misfits and didn't really like Danzig. And sure, sure. I was just like whatever. And then but then I got into Sam Hain. I was like, oh wow, there's some weird stuff weird soundscapes and some people will shit on the production of the Sam Hain albums, people that we know um, that are close to close to the show. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
No, you can say it. I mean, you can say it. It's fine. Well, I Derek, mean, yeah, no fucking Derek and, Big, Derek and Big Jake are absolute bitches when it comes to uh, <laughs> the Sam Hain production. So, well, yeah, it, you know, I we mean, I tease them a lot about it, but I don't know. I it think it's pretty. fitting because of the the kind of like the primitive vibe. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I what I got from it at first. Yeah, when it, when I when I first heard. Um, uh, the unholy passions EP. Mm. I was just like, this is fucking terrible. You know what I mean? And then I heard now ter- terrible, terrible production wise. Yeah. Production wise. Okay. Yeah, it did, it, right. It cool. didn't sound cause, cause that was at the time when I was like, you know, into thrash, like listening to a lot of Morris sound, um, fucking death metal and shit. Right. So sure, sure. there was a certain production value that I was used to. And then I'm just kind of like, this is what Glenn Danzig's doing. What the fuck? And then I heard initium and then I heard, um, you know, and I, I really delved into Initium for the longest before I even got into like uh, November Coming Fire and Final Descent. And sure. like to me, sure. what threw me off was when I heard um, November Coming Fire, I was just kind of like the production was weird. Things were mixed very strange. And I thought it was going to get better and better when actually like production wise, I think the Initium is probably the best sounding of all of them. And uh, um, oh, man, and, I di- I disagree. I think November Coming Fire is the is the high water mark. I mean, for production, you think? Because I, I honestly think. That- oh yeah, yeah, production and the mix of November Coming Fire. I but anyway, anyway, keep did, going, keep going. Finish did, your thought. Uh, did Spike have any involvement with um any of the Sam Hain albums? As a side no. question, I don't think so. Okay. Um, to me, Initium had a feel of like a Spike produced Black Flag album. Oh, do you mean Spot? I'm sorry, Spot. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. I was uh, I was trying to think or like Spike it's... from BRI. Did he? I, do oh, I get it. Okay. 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 No, okay no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Thinking, my bad. Like I was thinking, like is Bob Aleka go by the name Spike? Like oh, was, no. I was yeah, trying to think I... of something, but no, you mean Spot. Yeah, I meant Spot. I'm fucking sorry. Yeah. yeah which but... by by the way, I've interviewed. You can go listen to it. Yes. And episode of the music the lifeblood podcast i think well i think there's two episodes of that so go check that out anyway keep going keep going but did did, did spot have anything to do with the production of any of the sam Hain albums at no all? no okay. it's um i think uh off top of my head i think bob alica did um initium um let me uh let me double check because my like my sam Hain. Uh, my Sam Hain studio knowledge is not nearly as strong as what my Misfits and Dan's knowledge is. So let me. Well, let me... There was people that were saying things like uh, Spot produced. Like when I was younger, they, they, they said that Spot produced it. And they said that um, Skip, uh, Skip Groff, who did like Minor Threat and a lot of the DC stuff, they said that he did it and whatnot, you know. But then coming, to, you know, but I don't, um, I can't really attribute the. The, the way it sounds to like anybody's particular style, I think honestly the mix, I would assume, I think Glenn Danzig had a lot to do with how it was mixed. Like the, the Sam Hain albums were. were oh mixed. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Glenn. On Absolutely. Purpose. Everything, everything up through all misfits, all Sam Hain. Glenn is the point man. 90% of what's going on is Glenn. That's, yeah. that's Glenn. That's Glenn working his butt off. But I mean, yeah, there's def there was definitely like at first, um, like I said, the first thing I ever heard by uh, Sam Hain was the Unholy Passions EP, and then I got an Initium, and um, I wore that album out. I fucking love that album, and then 
I had a, a a tape a friend made for me that had November Coming Fire and Final Descent on it. Sure. And I didn't know which album was which for the longest fucking time. And then I noticed there was some stuff that was on one of those two albums that later got repurposed for Danzig songs, you know, down the road. Oh, okay, cool. You, you know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, like I saw Sam Hain as a, as a, um, as a logical transition from Misfits to Danzig and the, um, the lyrical content on um, like albums, like uh, how the gods kill, I think really to me, um, I, it was, I, I think that's really kind of where, where, where he was going in Sam Hain and where he was headed. He ended up on um, uh, how the gods kill is just kind of how I kind of felt the trajectory of his whole lyrical content and the style and the vibe and everything, because there was, things being thrown around that Danzig was originally supposed to be called Sam Hain, but like Rick Rubin or somebody involved talked him into calling the album, calling the band Danzig instead of calling it Sam Hain anymore and stuff like that. You hear all kinds of like um, urban myths about like the transition from Danzig to Sam Hain and everything, but all in all the lyrical content was a little bit more, um, about kind of like transforming himself into like some something better, and I I read read interviews with him over the years in different magazines when I was younger when he was talking about getting into martial arts and, and weightlifting, sure. you know, and sure. reading it reading as many books as possible to, to to you know improve his knowledge. So he wanted to be a better person, he you know like physically and mentally and all you know and all around. And you know obviously you see him from being like a skinny little guy. You know, like on the the, the live 1985 Sam Hain um, bootleg video to like <clears throat> the first uh, Danzig album, he's fucking jacked in comparison. Oh yeah, you know yeah. yeah. yeah I, I honestly think that it, it has a lot to do with that. Oh, I think. Well, Sam Hain, um, the box set. Uh, there's there's a box set. Um, Sam Hain released like I think it's 1999 ish when they were doing the reunion. Um, there's some linear notes in there and Glenn Danzig specifically said um, he used the term darker vision of the world or mm -hmm. something to that effect, a, a, a world with a darker vision, something like that, um, which I talked about this in the Sam Hain box set episode of Vital Thursday. So I'm going to plug <clears throat> that as well. Um, by the way, it was Bob Alica recording. Okay recording initium by the way um he's the guy that he did a lot of shit for just danzig in general um, i have no idea glenn danzig in general so um but anyway that sort of darker vision thing is what i think because you can to me from an artistic sense you can tell that glenn's mood had changed drastically from Let's say from Static Age, which Static Age dabbles in a lot of sort of like misanthropy, um, just sort of like taboo kind of subject matter, stuff like that. You go to Walk Among Us and Walk Among Us has a bit more of a B horror movie kind of vibe, that sort of thing. And you get to Earth AD. To me, lyrically, Sam Hain is an extension of what... Glenn was writing about on Earth AD because Earth yeah. AD isn't just chock full of horror movie references. You know, when you listen to pre uh, Earth AD Wolves Blood stuff, you know, you have songs like Astro Zombies, Horror Hotel, Night of the Living Dead, you know, all those songs. Um, 
in which there are times throughout the earlier Misfits catalog where Glenn would touch base on some of that really darker, deeper, macabre kind of stuff. It was there. You know, he's he's the first guy that I knew of that wrote a fucking song in Latin, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who the hell does that at that time? Nobody was doing that sort of stuff. Um, but the 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 themes that ran through Earth AD was much more... Uh, I think Big Jake and I have talked about it on the Music the Lightblood podcast before that it felt like a more real and gritty kind of horror mm -hmm. when it came to Earth AD and that got extended into Initium and then the Sam Hain catalog after that. So even though even though on Initium you have a song like All Murder, All Guts, All Fun, obviously, which is kind of tongue in cheek, it is what it is, but to me, all murder guts, all all fun could have been a could have been like a walk among us song. So yeah. I'm I'm always kind of curious how long he had the song sitting around. Had he been working on it prior to that? That sort of thing. But yeah, that darker sort of thing was very apparent by the time we got to Initium. And you can you know read the lyrics to the album. You know just just read through it. You know horror business. Obviously, it was a Misfit song. It's a seven-inch horror business. People are going to recognize it from, I think it's on Collection 1, I think. Or may I don't know. Collection 1 or 2, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. But um, horror business, obviously, you know, most people, most fiends understand that to be about Sid Vicious killing Nancy Spungen. Um, Now... You get a reworking of it on Initium, and because of the reworking, subject matter-wise, it still fits in with what was going on in, on Initium mm -hmm. because it's so fucking gnarly of a song lyrically. You know, the 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 idea of you know murdering someone, you know what I mean? Like it, they would yeah. touch base on it in the misfits, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is here in uh at the at the early Sam Hain kind of stuff. So yeah, that darker vision thing to me is fascinating because it's it's indicative of how much he had grew as as an artist for one, but also uh, his ability to to go a bit deeper. Now, whether at that point in his career it was articulated knowledge or inarticulated knowledge, I don't know. You know, I'd never talked to Glenn Danzig in 1984. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. But I do think from a, I guess from like a lore, a macabre, the occult, even though I'm not a big fan of using that word, um, the darker side of life, the integration of the shadow and understanding uh, what the shadow makes you capable of, that sort of thing. He seemed to be having a sort of artistic awakening. Mm -hmm. And I, I would guess, I would guess that you know, the misfits kind of sputtered out in the original run, you know, uh, the Doyle and Jerry were pretty well focused on working at pro edge, you know, and, and just doing that while Glenn was, Glenn was the one making a living off of the band. He was running the plan nine distro, you know, he was selling all those seven inches and in albums literally out of his, out of his house, out of his home or his apartment. And, uh, so he was invested much, much more into it. And I think that first Sam Hain album, though sonically not as well adapted as what the Misfits catalog was because of probably 
Glenn was 100% pro at that point, and he was self-funding, you know, because in the original run of The Misfits, you have Jerry and Doyle's, um, the their jobs funneling money into The Misfits, that sort of thing. And Glenn was 100% pro at that point, quote-unquote. And I think it showed in his writing that he was a he was hungry again. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a there's a there's a kind of urgency that you get from Static Age that I don't always think that you get on Walk Among Us because I feel like Glenn in his kind of mid twenties had that sort of youthful exuberance to really go out there and just lay waste to anything in front of him. And I think he had, like I said, like a sort of an awakening at that point that he was doing Sam Hain because his previous band had split and he wasn't liking what was going on in the band towards the end of it. And he was, I mean, he was in it to win it at that point. And I think that urgency and that drive comes through in the Sam Hain catalog, you know, and by the time, yeah. by the time you get to Danzig, you get Rick Rubin involved and it's, it's a completely different animal again. So you're talking about someone from an artistic standpoint that literally in a 10 year period of time, in a roughly 10 year of period of time had had these three sort of massive creative drives that happened. And it, and it makes me wonder because you get a lot of artists that talk about uh, that, that talk about, I was, I was just in that headspace to be able to create, to be able to write songs, that sort of thing. And I wonder often what that headspace would have been like for him. Just that sense of drive, that sense of we're doing this, nothing's going to stop me, that sort of thing. So when my brother, <laughs> Derek, takes a, takes a shot at the, at the production of Sam Hain, uh, because Derek's Derek errs in favor of a bit more kind of a polished kind of production as far as his taste in music. The reason I always get agitated at my brother about it is because the production is that way because that's what that's the 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 resources that Glenn had available to him. And considering that he didn't have this mountain of money to make those Sam Hain albums. And what he was able to release, even without that massive amount of funding and backing, that's what I think makes the Sam Hain catalog so uh, not only endearing but fascinating. Because against sort of against all odds, he was able to get it out, and yeah. that's to me that's impressive, and it enhances the sort of intrinsic value that the Sam Hain catalog has for me, just on a personal level. Does that make sense? Yeah, because. Like, um, if you look at the, um, okay, when you're talking about people kind of, you know, discovering their dark side or discovering the shadow and whatnot, sure. like when you're younger, your introduction to it is comic books, um, horror movies, even video games, things that are, you know, like your adolescence and your early teens and your young kid, you know, um, so there's going to be more of a campy vibe with the, with the misfit stuff. Sure. And then he's getting a little bit older and, it's obvious that he still likes the dark side of things. So I just kind of see it as kind of like a gradually maturing dark side of Danzig, you know? And if you want to talk about um, the comparison of like uh, Danzig, the band to Sam Hain, it's kind of like he embraced kind of like, okay, well, I'm an older guy and I like the blues vibe. I want straight ahead rock, 
you know, my experimental phase, like my, you know, my childhood punk phase, and then my experimental, you know, um, you know, late teens, early to mid twenties, and then like I'm a fucking grown man playing some fucking rock and roll. Sure. Kind of, that's, that's how it looked like to me growing up. But I'm like, okay, cool. The whole progression of Danzig all the way from, you know, the fucking human fly or return of the fly rather um, to now it all made sense completely. Even black acid devil, you know, even everything that he's yeah. done. Yeah. Everything made sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned black acid. We, <laughs> we joke about it on the podcast. Sometimes is it black acid devil? Or black acid evil. <laughs> black black acid <laughs> Because I mean you could it's spelled the same way, but anyway, black acid devil. Um to me, black acid devil is the lost Sam Hain album. I could see that. Um well, I mean there's Final Descent, which I mean it came out during the the Sam Hain box set. So I guess technically that's the lost Sam Hain album. It was supposed to be called Grim, but anyway. To me, Black Acid Devil is that's a Sam Hain album. That is absolutely a Sam Hain album because that's what I think had Sam Hain continued, that's where you eventually wind up. That's 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 where you go. When you look at the kind of look at the the career arc of like I think of um uh skinny puppy. Yeah. Minute ministry too. Ministry just kept getting fucking harder and harder and more like machine like you know that sort of thing the to me black acid devil because it has all those the the percussive traits which are so um specific to the sam hang catalog all the tom work on the drums all the sort of tribal stuff that's happening black acid black acid devil to me that yeah it's the lost sam hang album it's definitely underappreciated in my opinion, at least with the the uh, the the Danzig catalog goes. So when I'm in a Sam Hain mood, Black Ass the Devil is one of the albums that I listen to. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because if you think about like the technology that was available to to yeah. Glenn, yep. you know, when yep. Sam Hain was going on, if he'd had the money and the technology, um, you know, at the time he could. Uh, Sam Hain could be lumped in with bands like, um, like you said, like Skinny Puppy and yep. Ministry, and even you know like KMFDM and you know Front Two Four Two and Liebach and all those like the sure. you know the the industrial stuff you know and um, and I, I mean you know there's it's pretty obvious that was that was influential, but there was just this Danzig of Danzig that he just couldn't get rid of to where it was almost kind of like you had like the kind of like the crooner, like the punk rock, you know, Elvis influenced crooner smashed into a new world of fucking like experimental death, like death rock. Oh yeah. Or, you know? Yeah. yeah. I remember when I interviewed, when I interviewed Erie Vaughn, um, Erie Vaughn, Sam Hain bass player, Danzig bass player for a long time, which is another episode of the music, the light Blood podcast. So if you want to go, well, go check it out. Go check that out, too. Um, but when I interviewed Erie, um, Erie had specifically mentioned transitioning from How the Gods Kill to Danzig 4 because there are some there are some industrial elements on Danzig 4 that were vastly different than what they were doing on Danzig 1, 2, and 3. And I asked Erie, you know, what did you think of that? And Erie said it made sense. 
because Glenn Glenn had spent so much time in the underground anyway. I think Erie said something to the effect of Glenn didn't, Glenn didn't like the air up there anymore, so he went back under. Yeah. And and it it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense from a from like a commercial trajectory and a career trajectory where I think they really popped on how the gods kill. You know, they were out. I think that was I mean, they had been out playing shows with Metallica off and on for quite a while, but things had really popped around then. And the next album, I think the chemistry in the band was starting to alter a little bit. Chuck left not too long after the the album was released. So the dynamic in the band started to change a little bit. And I think that was kind of in a way the writing on the wall, because I've always understood it, that Glenn wanted the band to have a bit of a revolving lineup for that. Stone age kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like a Josh Homme, you know, Troy Van Llewellyn sort of situation, which is funny because Joey Castillo, the the drummer that came after Chuck Biscuits ended up playing in the Queens of the Stone Age. Hey, Oh, um, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, the the Dan we got to Danzig 4 and I think Glenn just got to the point where he said it's time for a change. I want to do something new, which makes sense because with the Misfits, he got about roughly 5 years in. They got to Earth AD and he said I want to do something different. And then he did Earth AD, Wolves Blood and Sam Hain. Then he got to Danzig and it was like, I want to do something different again. So it makes sense in his sort of cycle that he has established from a, from an artistic standpoint. So yeah. Yeah. Danzig four, Danzig four is a good album too. I like it. Yeah. I really fucking like that album. And the thing about it is <clears throat> when I first heard it and then you get to like the end of the album and, um, uh, they have the, uh, what is that song? Sadistic kill or something kind of like a, yeah. or what? Yeah. Sadistic. yeah. And then um, just the stuff at the end to me, when I first heard it, I didn't know if that was supposed to be like a, like an intro to the next song, but then it, when it became its own song, you know, and then I saw like, you know, the, the video for um, what's, what's that video off that album where he's playing and there's like that huge net dividing the fucking, the, the band and the audience um, is it can't sleep or whatever, or, uh, <laughs> no, that's um, oh, call in the dark. Yeah, it's call in the dark. Yeah, until you, until you call in the dark. Yeah, and then there's like the the video for it's coming down. You know, it's coming. Call, is it? It's coming down. That's one on thrall, right? Yeah, that. Yeah, that's on. Yeah, that's on thrall. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm just saying, like, you know, then then you know, Danzig Four came after that, and it kind of like I would have thought that, that. I mean, that's a, such a fucking great song. It's coming down, and uh, um it was a really good song to tie how the gods kill and four together. Really? You know what I mean? It was a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. could, it could have yeah. been on either album to be honest with you. Yeah. But, I, mean, I well, I think that when like to me, I don't mind the pain as in my opinion, the high watermark on uh dancing four. Hmm. Like, I think that that song is so fucking good. I think the first track just pounds you in the fucking face. You know, with the fucking like the because the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, they're doing misfit stuff again with the whoa, where you run to? You know, like oh shit, it's fucking misfit. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, can't uh, can't speak, call in the dark. I mean, fuck, dude. To, and and here's the thing about that album, bringer, that, of death, bringer of death is on there oh, too. 
fuck, that's a good song. That yeah. whole album is sick as fuck, and that album could arguably you could either, you could say yeah that is let's say Black Acid will never happen right? right and they skip from four to four to six six six. You could say yeah that fucking Dancing Four P or whatever it's called was was a Sam Hain album. You know what I mean? You could sure, almost say sure, that, sure. you know you know give it the production that fucking November Coming Fire had on it, and you could totally have that. You know, but well, man, I, mean, I well I think still my my all-time favorite Danzig album is Seven. Oh, with uh, with Todd Youth on guitar. Yep, it's Todd. And, it's Todd Youth on guitar, Joey Castillo on drums. And Howie Pyro from D-Gen on bass. Yep, yep, which yeah. Which is fucking awesome, because I fucking, I love D-Generation. I fucking love everything that fucking Joey Castillo Howie's, does. Howie's, Howie's a pretty interesting guy. Um, oh, dude. He's yeah, I, I, super uh, fucking interesting. When I, when I got to meet D-Gen, when, like, my, my 21st birthday, I went and saw Social Distortion with D-Generation, right? And uh, some people that I went with knew oh. a couple of the people. That, I that like was Social D. I can't get into them. That was the last time I gave a shit about them. I was 21. Right. Okay. It was yeah. 1996. That was the last time I gave a shit about Social Distortion. But yeah. um, anyway, that was a great fucking show. But anyway, some people that I knew um, kind of somehow knew the people um, in DGen. And Howie Pyro was telling a story about how he was at Sid Vicious's funeral and shit. And he's always been a part of like the that that late seventies New York punk scene. He was part of like the the um you know I guess like the rudimentary seminal t- era of the New York hardcore scene, all that kind of stuff. And when you know uh, when he put that band together on Seven with Todd Youth and Howie Pyro and, and Joy Castillo, I was just like, fuck, this is like you know this is like the, the closest thing we're gonna get to the John Christ era you know, in a lot of ways, I kind of felt like that, that kind of vibe. See, I look, I look, I interviewed John Christ a while back. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> so, so if you want to go check out that episode of the Music Life One podcast, there you go. Anyway, awesome. I, anyway, um, I, I love those first four albums. I really oh, do. Yeah. But dude, seven Seven and Death Red Saboth is to me are the top of the heap. And then direct directly behind those two, I'd probably do like Lucifuge and How the Gods Kill and you know everything else well, after. I could but, very easily jump from four to Death Red Saboth with um with seven being an honorable mention. I like that album a lot, but I don't like it as much as you do. To me, the thing I liked about Death Red Sabbath is I felt that, that that was a real fucking return to form of like kind of like right in between uh, you know three and three and four, really. You know, and I was his voice sounded fucking amazing. Sure. Um his his like on Circle of Snakes, the production was really fucking weird on that album. It's, could, it's so dense. You it's couldn't hear so fucking dense. Yeah, you couldn't hear the vocals for shit on that yeah. album. Well, I I don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think that it's that. I just think there's a lot of bass overtone. It's just mm-hmm. so fucking dense. And Bevan Bevan Davies as a drummer, he might as well be like, you know, John Bonham with sledgehammers. You know, <laughs> like he's such a fucking heavy drummer that I think uh I think by that point, I think 
I think by the time you get to five and everything that comes after five, including five, Glenn just does not give a a single fuck about <laughs> about what anyone thinks of what he's doing. And there's to me, there's there I that I like that because there's probably a kind of uh it's probably a very freeing kind of artistic just sort of existence to where you can just literally do I'm fucking gonna record the album I want to record. Kiss yeah. my ass. I, I don't fucking care. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do whatever. He probably had his money. He's good to go till the end of his days. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want from here on in. Well, so, and, and, and the, the, the interesting thing too is that that those albums, because you don't have Rick Rubin's influence, and because you're not running everything through the filter of 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 John Christ, Erie, and Chuck Biscuits, you can truly see how just crushingly heavy of a songwriter Glenn Danzig is. Just the just the structure, the the bone, the substructure of all those songs, that sort of stuff. It is so fucking heavy. It is unreal. It's un- circle of snakes, especially fucking skull forest, skin carver. You know what I mean? Like skin, he'll yeah. he'll open the show with skin carver still to this day, and just think think of how just fucking mean of an opening song that is yeah i'm looking i'm looking at like a lot of the songs that are like on <clears throat> seven and eight man and like there's honestly dude there's not there's not a fucking clunker you know like on you know on a um I'm, uh, well I'm, a circle circle of snakes rather i'm sorry circle of snakes and um and yeah i guess that would be seven and eight but anyway all the fucking songs on Circle Snakes are great fucking songs. Yeah. It's just the 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 mix and the way it comes out is like it kind of it's sort of off putting to be honest with you. Yeah. It can, I mean it can it can be. It's like it's like how Sam Hain is with my brother. You know, yeah. some, some people just are into the mix. I get it. And you know, you're not as a fan, you're not you know, you're not like obligated to bow at the altar of everything, you know, somebody releases or anything like that, but I try to look I try to look at his entire catalog through the lens of of try to understand it for how he arrived at that point through the through the process of the entire scope of his career up to that point and I think that's what makes things so much more like I said earlier endearing and intriguing interesting to look at that sort of thing too and and too it's worth mentioning you have the lost tracks of danzig thrown in there as well yeah that was honestly like for a while the only danzig i listened to for a while was the lost tracks oh no it was just fucking just so um i mean the fucking the cover of buick mccain by fucking t-rex on that um fucking uh (laughs) when when death had no name dude when I first heard that with there's lyrics, like th- I, there's like two or three versions of it on there, isn't there? I think there's. I, I want to say there's one or two. Oh, what's the? Uh, oh my god, I, it really sucks because the, the version I had of it, I had on fucking. I think it was like iTunes or whatever. Um, I feel like it's such a fucking tool for never buying it in its physical form, but um, there was a fucking just a total rocker on there that could that was left off of the first album. Um, 
shit, if I can remember the fucking name. Um, but there's just songs on there that I heard he went back and redid guitar tracks and um, enhanced vocals. And just because there was stuff that was just sitting around, you know, that was kind of like demo stuff that he went and, and redid. And I remember uh, reading an interview with him and he said he went back and, and he wanted to capture uh, the tone of like when those songs were written. Like he went back and used a guitar. That, oh, sure. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the right yeah. tone. And dude, it's fucking flawless and seamless. And like, you know, I think what's really cool about it is at the time that it came out, um, it came out before Death Red Sabbath. And I think that was deliberate. You know what I'm saying? Like the Death Red Sabbath came out being a kind of a return to form of the first three. Yeah, it's but, it's kind of like an anthology. It's yeah. like a, almost like a retrospective sort of thing. Are you thinking of pain as like an animal? Yeah. Or is it you or is it you should be dying? No, pain is like an animal. Is pain is like an animal? Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. I that to me, pain is like an animal is fucking good. It's a yeah. really good song. The song is so um, rad. But uh I like I like Bound by Blood a lot. The solo, um the Todd Youth solo in that song is fucking killer. Absolutely killer. I like how I like how Todd Youth, he's a good mixture of old school like hardcore and punk rock, and but he plays with like some some like bluesy fluidity as well. Like I think I think to me Todd Youth is like the perfect mix of like I don't know like uh what's his name from Agent Orange and uh Phil Campbell from Motorhead. Yeah, well, this is the thing about um, Todd Youth, which blew me the fuck away. Um, I saw, uh, I saw Murphy's Law like back in like uh, like '97. My old band when I lived back in Iowa, we opened for Murphy's Law, and um, uh, I noticed that like they had a very kind of like a, a very sort of I don't want to say sleazy rock and roll, but like a fucking like a like a Dead Boys New York Dolls kind of Little fucking yeah. sound in the guitar, right? And then um, about, I'd probably say almost like six years later, I see, um, I see Todd Youth playing with, um, oh shit. I want to say it was the Chelsea Smiles. Yeah. Yeah. Was Sky, and, with the singer yeah. Sky. Yeah. And a friend of mine that was at the show, he was like, dude, that's fucking Todd Youth from Murphy's Law. I'm like, holy yeah. fuck, really? Yeah. And, and yeah, then, he was in that. He was in that band with Sky, which, by the way, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've done an interview with Sky. If you want to go watch it, it it's, an episode, it's an episode of Final Thursday. Well, did did Todd you play on the um, on the uh, on the Son of Sam album? Like, oh yeah, one? yeah, both of them. Yeah. Oh, both, okay, both of them for sure. Yeah. You know, and it's just kind of like, and then then he. Then he played guitar on the fucking uh, the blood clot full length that, ju that just came out about two years ago, with and, jo with Joey Castillo on drums. Yeah, right? and Nick Oliveri on bass, and John you know John Joseph and shit. But yeah, and then fucking uh, and then he also played guitar for Fireburn with Joe with Joseph that sang for Bad Brains, you know, and he was doing all this stuff, and then he and passed. he he filled he filled in for Motorhead. Y yeah, and he played for Ace Freely. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he was, and he was even he was in Degeneration at one point in time, and he played guitar in a, a band with Wednesday Thirteen, I believe, Gun Gunfire Sixty Six or whatever. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, 
you know, and so the, the thing of it is, man, I mean, no offense to fucking Tommy Victor, but like, I personally think that um, what what Danzig should have done was have Todd Youth and Tommy Victor play live because their two styles make the John Christ sound. Very bluesy, dry, okay. Okay. mixed with a crunchy fucking metal sound at the same fucking time. It'd be neat. It'd be it'd be neat to see Danzig with two two guitar players. That'd be neat. Honestly, if I'd just like see Glenn fucking play guitar. Mm-hmm. Because he's good. <laughs> like he I mean, he's the one who fucking wrote all those songs. I've seen Sam Name so, where he's playing guitar. Yeah, he'd usually whip out a guitar and play on Archangel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't much. Wasn't a lot. But that to me, like talking about talking about the quality of Todd Youth and how good of a drummer Chuck Biscuits and Joey Castillo are, how good of a bass player Steve Zing, which by the way, I've interviewed Steve Zing. Yeah. <laughs> go talk, you go and check those out. Um, just he's had some amazing supporting people with him, like the the quality the quality of the people that have played with him, whether it's Misfits, Sam Hain, or Danzig, are just. I mean, they're fucking in the stratosphere as far as their capability. Yeah. You know, Tommy Victor, too, because I think, uh, you know, nobody to, to me, nobody talks about Tommy Victor and Steve Zing specifically. Steve Zing, not just as the drummer for Sam Hain and the later bass player for Sam Hain, but as a bass player for Danzig, just how good of a support position Steve Zing plays to that band. So what's the current lineup now? Isn't there a guy from uh, – isn't the drummer from Typo Negative on yeah, drum? Yeah, it's, it's Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah. By, by the way. You interviewed Mr. Typo Negative drummer guy. <laughs> <laughs> I felt – I don't want people to feel like we just did this episode so I could, I could try okay. to get people well, you to know listen you should to the do. old between, between now and Danzig Abration, you should take these episodes – and re-release them so Do people know that we ain't fucking around when it comes to the fucking band's integration. <laughs> right, 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 right. But just uh, like I was saying, like I was saying, just the overall quality of all the people that Danzig has had sort of in his orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, dude, just imagine like just any three of those guys as a backing band, whether it was Johnny Kelly, Todd Youth, and fucking Steve Zink. Yeah. Or Erie Vaughn, Chuck Biscuits, and 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 uh uh Prong, Tommy Victor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Any any combination of all those people that have played in the different positions, like you got a fucking killer backing band. They're absolutely amazing. So have you okay, speaking of Tommy Victor and uh Johnny Kelly and Steve Zing, um have We've both had a, an opportunity to let Black Laden Crown sort of um, sit with us since sure, we talked. Sure. We talked about it about a year or so ago. What's your overall feeling on that album now? I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a good album. It's, it's a good album. The here, okay. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing with as you get older, I think it becomes more and more difficult to have. Uh, to develop a a significant sentimental attachment to to art, whether it's music or whatever, you know the reason that Sam Hain is so fucking dear to me is because I've been listening to it for twenty some years. Mm-hmm. You know the Misfits. The reason the Misfits are so dear to me is because I've listened to them for twenty five years. 
you know, that sort of thing. So that time, that time with the music really allows it to uh, really allows it to kind of put its hooks in you and sink its teeth and anchor into you. And I think Black Light and Crown just needs more time. Yeah. So th there, there are going to be, I don't know how many it will be, but there's going to be kids that discover Danzig via Black Lady and Crown. Mm -hmm. Like there's, they're going to be out there just the same as like, there's young people that discovered Kiss via like Monster and Sonic Boom. You know, there's going to be those people that, that stumble onto it that way. So those people will have the time with it. They'll have the time with it. So am I going to do, do I completely ignore that album? No, not at all. Not at all. But the reason I gravitate towards the albums I do seven specifically is because it has some sentimental value for me at that time. Life wasn't the easiest thing in the world for me. And that was one of the albums that acted as a release for me in a, a an escape from the shit that wasn't going the way that I wanted it to around that time in my life. So Black Lady and Crown, I think it's, 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 you know, it's a fine album. You know what I mean? So yeah, it just, you know, everybody, everybody gravitates towards something different. It's never mm -hmm. the same. It's never the same for anyone. If I, the thing of it is, man, if I didn't like Danzig as much as I do um, as an artist and like everything that he's into and everything that he does, I probably would have been one of those dudes that would have bailed on Danzig after four. Because that sound that they had sonically as a band mm. was so much a part of my middle middle school through high school, sure. you know, like sure. from about eighth grade to you know to like you know, well, fuck, man, um, I graduated in '94. Four came out in '94, so or '95, whatever. But anyway, <clears throat> um, it's just kind of like knowing what I what I knew about misfits to sam hain to how you know danzig transformed and shit like that i didn't really ever get into um <laughs> black acid devil um and uh um i kind of sort of i grazed over and glossed over seven for the most part and then i would always go back to the first three because to me the first three could be one big album you know and oh, sure, four, sure. Yeah. and four would be the bonus tracks i guess because whatever. But I just kind of think that, you know, having an understanding of like, of the kind of the uh, evolving and just evolve evolution and experimentation, I guess, of Danzig, it all looking back at his catalog and everything he's done, it all makes sense to me. I don't think even though I don't particularly gravitate towards an album, I don't go, Oh, that's what that's where he fucked up. He should have done this or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Sure. You're going to do that for a little while, Danzig. I'm going to go over here and fuck with this. And then I'm going to come back, you know, with, with Death Red Sabaoth, you know, and, and whatnot. <laughs> Just like you said, that fucking seven has a lot of weight with you. And to me, uh, four has more weight than seven. Like four is like my, when, when I'm kind of tired of the first three, Four is big time a go-to for me because uh, okay. Okay. first fucking five songs, like, like little whip, dude, that fucking song is just so fucking good. Yeah. But I mean, kind of getting back to what we were originally talking about, man, I really think that if you're somebody that grew up on Danzig and saw things, saw the way it's kind of evolved and the different, different things that he's done, 
like I said, it all makes sense. But if you are a newcomer, I really wonder what people's gateway to the Danzig catalog, not like Misfit, Sam Hain, or anything else, but like the Danzig catalog would be. And I wonder what people's people's gateway to the Sam Hain catalog would be. As far as the Misfits one, a lot of people, um, a lot of people got into. Um, God, why, why, why am I forgetting the name of the album? Famous Monsters. That oh, was the, the, the Graves yeah. era. Yeah, that was the big. What blew my mind. I might have said this before on the show, but like I did security at a, um, a Misfit show back uh, when. Hold on. Uh, Hold on. Uh, Hold okay. On. We freezing. The Misfits. Oh. Okay, the Deftones. <laughs> look, so, I look. I'm not the okay. We're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 gonna talk about this. We're gonna do it. Yeah, we should actually. Here's 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 what I'm gonna say. I like listening to Doyle play guitar. Mm-hmm. That's what I find most enjoyable about those Misfits records. Yes. Um, um, I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying they're garbage because they're not in those in 1997, when I was a senior in high school, that was all the Misfits that we had. Mm -hmm. And, and we dove into it. We were appreciative for whatever, for whatever we had. And, you know, I went and saw them on that tour. I went and saw them on both of those tours because that was the only opportunity I had to see those songs played live. Because at that point, Glim was like, it's not happening. Not doing it. It ain't going to fucking happen. And I wanted to hear those songs. So that said, those albums do not hold a fucking snowball's chance in hell of surpassing the, the Glenn Danzig discography, the, the misfits discography. Oh, without question. They do not. Those songs are several steps down from mm-hmm. from the Glenn Danzig pinned Misfits discography. Now that said, I do ha- I do hold a place of affection for them. I'm not going to lie about that. I think I did an episode about Famous Monsters a while back, um, and I really I enjoy American Psycho. I think it's fun. I still put it on occasionally. I'm like, yeah, this is a good time. It's great. I actually like American Psycho better than Famous Monsters. And- yeah, I would, I would agree. It's a it's a better album, but if you stand if you stand, sorry, I gotta fix this. <laughs> sorry, if you stand <coughs> American Psycho next to Earth AD Wolf's Blood, it's 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 dead. It stomps a fucking mud hole in American now, Psycho. Now wait a minute. Ask your brother which one he liked better. Oh, Derek will say Graves era stuff. Yeah, Derek absolutely will because that's what that's what Derek gravitates towards. Derek has a um, he doesn't um, not that he doesn't understand the importance of it um, that he it's just or not that it doesn't have value or anything like that. It's just not something he's going to gravitate towards. He's just not into it. That's the way it is. It's the same reason fucking Big Jake likes Dragon Force and we fucking relentlessly make fun of him about it. Yeah, you know, it's, the same, it's the same. It's the same sort of thing, um, but like I like I said, like I said, it's um, at the, at the time it was the only misfits that we had, 
And it was my opportunity because I was I had been long time fascinated with Doyle as a guitar player. And I was like, I got to fucking hear Doyle play guitar. Yeah. And that's and to me, that's fucking incredible. Anytime you get to hear Doyle play guitar, even if it's when he's 16 or if he's in his 50s, it's fucking amazing. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's well, absolutely incredible. What blew me away was when I saw them on that tour as well, American Psycho Tour. It was a... Uh, um, it was uh, Misfits was sick of it all on H2O, which was really bizarre, you know, because I was just like, you know, of course, I mean, I was I was in heaven because, you know, been a Hardcore. fucking. Hardcore. Yeah. Ah. It, I, was a, I was a sick of it all fan for the longest time, you know, and I was excited about H2O and whatnot, you know, and it was just kind of like it made sense. But I me, mean, it was funny because me and my friends were like, yeah, we're going to we're going to watch fucking sick of it all on H2O and then we're going to go fucking hang out with the, you know, with H2O um, during Misfits. Right. Misfits started playing, and we're sitting here, three songs in, four songs in, five songs in. We end up watching the whole like, oh fuck, we're enjoying this. We we shouldn't be enjoying this, you know. And fucking, it was I, great. I, well, I think it's the way that, I think it's the same way that a lot of people look at Black Sabbath during the '80s and early '90s. Yeah, you know, before there was a reunion, that. Mm. But you'll you'll randomly run into people and be like fucking Glenn Hughes is the greatest singer Black Black Sabbath ever had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though when you went and saw him on the on that tour, he was absolute garbage. But yeah. but, but but there's somebody that's going to go. Yeah, I'm fucking I love it. It's amazing. Let's do that every day till we die. Give me more now. You know, mm-hmm. there's just going to be people that are that way. And I'm not like. When I when I interviewed Steve Zing, um, Steve Zing, drummer, bass player for Sam Hain, bass player for Danzig. Steve had made a comment. I had asked, I had asked Steve because it was just prior to the Misfits reunion shows happening. And I asked Steve, I was like, Steve, you've literally been there since the beginning because Steve used to sit and listen to them rehearse in the garage at, at Jerry and Doyle's house when he was a kid. I asked Steve's like, you got any thoughts on the reunion? You know, what what do you think of it? And Steve's like, I think it's fucking great. It's an opportunity for people to hear those songs performed by the right people, not in a room in front of 30 people by some singer that didn't write those songs. And Steve was adamant about that. Yeah. And I think I think Steve had a point. I think he absolutely had a point because when it comes to the misfits, the the goddamn tragedy about the original run of the misfits is that earth or evil live is the only legitimate document of them in a live setting that we have mm-hmm. every, everything else exists as bootlegs and we're, we're probably not going to get anything official from that era of the band. And it's probably not likely we're going to get anything official from the reunited era of the band. It's just not going to happen. I just don't think Glenn is, he's not going to do it. I think the Glenn is, I think Glenn is very aware of how precious the misfits truly are. And specifically the misfits as Glenn Doyle and Jerry performing those songs. I think I think he is very aware of how special, how precious, and how unique that is. And the fact that we just have people 
that even if it's not recorded, the fact that we have multiple thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have been able to go see that, that to me, that, that no, that sort of nullifies the tragedy of not having an, uh, uh, any more official recordings of the band live from the original run of the band. So yeah. I, I agree. I agree with what Steve said. You know, well, I'm not Michael Graves. He's a good singer. He's, yeah. he's he's got good pitch. You know, he he's he's good. He doesn't. I think he does them justice to the best of his ability. But does he do it in a way that gives it justice to the original intention of those songs? No, he does not. No, he never did, and no, he never will. Well, and and the thing of it is too, when if anybody saw saw, um. The the Jerry only band um, doing doing those songs. Um, people would say, okay, well they don't have. People would say like they don't have they don't have Graves up there. They got Jerry only singing the songs, and then you've got Des Kadena from Black Flag, and you've got Robo from Black Flag and Misfits. So I saw them on that era as well, and to me, I was stoked. I got to meet Des Kadena, huge huge Black Flag fan. About shit my pants. I got to fucking meet Robo. Big Black Flag and fucking, you know, Misfits fan. And I got to meet fucking Jerry. Big fucking Misfits fan. So I'm like, okay, I've covered all fucking bases. I just want to meet Danzig. You know, I kind of wish. But at that point in time, I was like, that's never going to fucking happen. But the thing of it is, the reason why I think what's going on right now works so fucking well is I'm going to give you a kind of a um, – I have this theory that, based on a comparison. When – Okay, here it comes. When Kiss put the makeup back on. Oh, okay. Great. Right, okay. Right, 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 right. When they put the makeup back on, it was Gene and Paul had a fucking strategy. The number one thing was they knew that, that the album they just fucking did, Carnival of Souls, was not going to fucking work because they couldn't hang. They, fuck, they fucked up and tried to fucking do what was popular at the time and this and this. And Gene had a hard on for fucking Billy Corgan, blah, 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 blah. So they shelved it. So their looks are slipping. Um, they're relevant <laughs> to I mean they're aging, you know what I'm saying? So the perfect the perfect fucking idea is let's put the makeup on, let's do the shit that people really want to fucking see, let's make everybody happy for a tour. And we don't know how long it's gonna fucking last. So boom, boom, right. boom. They tried it, right? They did the fucking reunion thing, they got everybody together. H. Fraley looks like fucking garbage. Peter Chris looks like fucking garbage. Paul Stanley looks like a fucking melted version of Paul Stanley. Gene Simmons, you know, got fucking fat, thin, fat, thin, blah, blah, blah. Put the makeup on him. Dude, put the makeup on him and you can't fucking tell, right? Right. And so and then you get Gene and Paul, you know, doing their thing. What those guys are fucking professionals. They can sing the songs in their fucking sleep. Except Gene, he'd probably forget the fucking lyrics in his sleep as well on stage. But so it was perfect, right? So, okay, cool. This is the perfect transition. What's going on with Danzig is I really fucking feel that I think his vocals were good on Black Lady and Crown. I think his vocals were good on the um, the covers album. And he's getting ready to do that Elvis thing. But if you think about it, at this stage in his career, it's easier for him to go up and just fucking do the shouty fast misfit stuff mm. so he doesn't worry about have to worry about having a fucking super perfect fucking voice right. and it sounds rad it sounds like a fucking you know it, it sounds like glenn glenn can sound like misfits era glenn danzig any fucking day of the fucking week sure you know what i mean doyle can beat the shit out of his fucking guitar the same fucking way and jerry only can fucking play the root notes like any other and so it's perfect. They're at the perfect point in their fucking lives and their careers to do misfits. 
or the misfits or the misfits with Jerry Doyle and fucking Glenn, you know, with revolving drummers. And it, it's perfect because they did the fucking, the, the riot fest thing. Okay. Boom. Oh, then there's another day. Then there's another day. And now we're still excited. We're used to them being back together, but yet we're still excited about it. Right. So they don't really know just like anybody else, how long this can last. This, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and what Glenn is doing with misfits is he also, what he's done with Danzig over the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. I don't know how much long I'm going to be able to tour. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to tour. I'm going to do fucking New York, LA, Minneapolis, Chicago. Boom. That's it. And I'm going to go home and chill right in the next album. And then I'm going to do the Sam Haynes stuff and I'm going to do the legacy stuff. Da, da, da. Oh, and then I'm going to announce 12 tour days. Holy shit. The way Glenn Danzig is doing the misfits right now. And I will say, yes, the way Glenn Danzig is doing the misfits is so calculated. Strategy is fucking perfect. And it's, it's fucking what any fan of Danzig era misfits would fucking just dream of. And it's perfect. I right. honestly think, you know, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a, the thing that <clears throat> I always run into, you know, like those Facebook groups. I mean, I was telling you about people talk about why don't they tour? Because that's not, that's not what's going to work. It's just not mm -hmm. going to work. And if you look at the original run of the band, they did some jaunts. They did. They did. A, you know, some some little road things here and there, but for the most part, they weren't a touring band. Nope, not at all. They didn't. They did. They did. They did a couple runs back out to L.A. and back, and you know, some stuff up and down a little bit down the East Coast, some stuff in Michigan, and you know, that sort of thing. But they weren't like a working band in that regard. And I nope. think. I think to send them out on a tour at this point, one, I don't think Glenn wants to. And yeah, I, oh, fine. He's fucking worked his ass off for his entire career. You know, he's been doing this for 40 some fucking years. Yeah. He should, if he doesn't want to tour, okay, fine. Mm. I'll fucking tour. Quit fucking bitching about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if they do tour, it's going to lose the, it's going to lose. The luster, the magic's going to go away. You know, it's just not, fuck, it's not going to happen. It's just yeah. not going to happen. I don't think Glenn wants to do it. And I, I, I really, Glenn is the one that matters in this situation, in my opinion. Yeah. He fucking wrote those songs. He wrote those songs and he's the one that, that created that band and pushed it through the original run of the band. And it's great that Jerry only picked up the ball and ran with the brand, you know, because they probably get to reap the benefits of that today. It is what it is, but this band, it, it does. None of this shit happens without Glenn Danzig. Exactly. He gets to call the shots period. End of the fucking story. Stop do you think, bitching. Do you think Doyle's current tour is helping um, the hype of the upcoming misfit shows? Oh yeah, I think that's probably a two-way street. I think mm -hmm. I think the Misfits shows are helping Doyle. I think the Doyle shows are helping the Misfits. Yeah, I mean, because they're because the Misfits are, or sorry, Doyle is coming back to North Carolina real soon. Yeah, they um, announced they announced some they announced some tour dates. Was a lot earlier this week, I think. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, you know, uh, and I'm which finally is fucking, gonna, it's exciting yeah. because it's a working band, and like like I said, I want to hear Doyle play guitar. Do they have the guy that's playing in the in the uh, current version of Black Flag on drums 
Pertzborn no, or whatever. That's, no, that Brandon Pertzborn, he's doing um he's doing a band called Horror. They're like a super aggressive uh hip hop group. Um almost like punk rock hip hop. I don't oh, know weird. how to describe it. But they spell it H O nine nine oh nine. Huh. And it's um it's it's horror and they're they're fucking phenomenal as far as aggressive hip hop goes. They're incredible. And Brandon in a live setting especially takes them to the next level because he's so fucking good. They have a dude named Wade Murph playing drums for him. Um Wade did some work with Alex in can in Cancer Slug. Mm-hmm. Um what did Wade play on? I can't remember. I can't think is, of it right now. Is he, is he replacing the deceased drummer in Cancer Slug now? He what? Is he replacing the the deceased drummer from Cancer Slug? Wade? No, no, they have they have another guy. I'm not real familiar with the guy that they have drumming for him now. I'm not I should probably beef up on that. I should probably, you know, do some digging, but I'm not super familiar. But I think he's came and went before, but off the top of my head, I can't remember his name, which that's unfortunate, but I'll throw it up on the screen if I think of it. Um, but yeah, the, were you asking me, what were you asking me about? Oh, I, I just asked if, uh, um, you know, who was, if, who was drumming for, uh, Doyle, for, right? Doyle, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Wade Murph drumming, um, a dude named Brandon Strait playing bass, which Ban- Brandon is a fucking badass. Dude is awesome. He's a nice guy too. I talked to him on Instagram and Facebook too, just kind of about random stuff. And he's a super approachable person on social media. At least. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's super nice. nice. I, I talked to him real briefly at the, the Doyle show here in Indianapolis. The last time they came through. Yeah. He was a super nice guy. And then Alex singing and Doyle on guitar, obviously. And to me like that, they are a, they are tragically overlooked, in my opinion, for how strong of a band they are, not only on album, but live in a live setting. They're so fucking good. They're so good. Doyle's guitar playing his. He walks that line between like thrash and groove metal and, you know, little spurts of punk rock here and there, that sort of thing. And the neat thing about Doyle is like, as a band goes, Doyle is engineered specifically to highlight Doyle's kind of guitar playing. Mm. And it's, it's fascinating because he, he's been able to develop such a unique style. You know, that's what I always think of when people talk about misfits in a live setting from the earth, the first run of the band in the early days, when Doyle first joined the band, a lot of people, I always see, I always see comments online that Doyle can't play. Um, Huh. And I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's ever been that Doyle couldn't play. He says in interviews, he says he can't play. Yeah, he, he does. He, he does. But he yeah. does. But it's not fucking accurate. <laughs> like, listen, Saturday, this, September fourteenth. I'm going Saturday, September fourteenth in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm okay, there you, there you go. There you go. Okay, I don't go back. Sorry. Anyway, anyway, the listen to Doyle, listen to As We Die, listen to that album, and you'll hear how fucking developed of a guitar player he truly is. Oh yeah, he's fucking amazing when it comes to the just the 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 niche that he's carved out for himself. Now, if you listen to the the Misfits like bootlegs from you know the original run of the band when he was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah. Yeah, he was like they were they were out of tune a lot of the time, but it was a fucking punk rock show. 
I dug but it. That's dude. that's that's the way that's the way that it went. And there's something special about that. So it always bothers me when I see people comment, well, Doyle doesn't know how to play guitar. They should get Bobby Steele. Like, are you fucking retarded? <laughs> like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I like Bobby Steele, which by the way, you interviewed Mr. Bobby Steele. <laughs> I interviewed Bobby a couple About years ago. Four fucking years ago. <laughs> it's been a while ago, but <laughs> anyway, I like Bobby Steele, but he does not need to be in the Misfits right now. He doesn't. Doyle, Doyle is the Misfits. He is the. Yeah, I don't think there's a group out there of people that are that passionate uh, for the Bobby Steele. Um, Joey Image, Jerry Smith lineup of the band. Yeah, you're not gonna. No, you're not gonna be like Book Moon. By the way, I interviewed Joey. (laughs) Yeah, and also, who was the other cat you said? Um, the other drummer for the Misfits. Uh, yeah, he Googie. He sings for what's the name of his his band that he sings for? Uh, the Noise. Yeah, the Noise. They're fucking great. Yeah, they're awesome. It's like street punk. It's totally amazing. Yeah, I interviewed I interviewed Arthur, the guy that drummed on Walk Among Us and Evil Live One. So Live, I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah. This okay, and this this next run of the Doyle tour, are you going to try to do an interview with Alex or Doyle? I mean, you know, I I, I mean, obviously, you know, Alex Alex has been nice enough to to let us use Generation Behind as our our theme music, our musical lifeblood theme music. Generation behind in one way or the other is in every single piece of music, the lifeblood output content wise mm-hmm. it's in every single episode. And, uh, um, Alex has been amazing, amazing to me. He's been amazingly nice. Every time I have a question or I need to reach out to him, he's on it. Um, you know, put me in contact with cancer slugs manager. Um, you know, anytime I got an issue, like he's, he's been Johnny on the spot sort of thing. And he's just been nice to me, you know, and he'll, he'll pop in on the music, the lifeblood Facebook every now and then, and, you know, comment on something. And it's just nice to be able to hear from him. Um, I don't, I would love to interview Alex. I absolutely would. I would, I would absolutely adore the opportunity to interview Alex because there's just an endless supply of things I would want to ask him about. However, I feel like he's done enough for me. It'd be a four-part miniseries if you fucking interviewed him. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a fucking turn into like Game of Thrones. It's like, you know, 50 mm-hmm. episodes, uh, you know, the Alex Alex story interview part 38. You know, the the I just don't to be honest with you, I don't want to bug him. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, and to be honest with you too, man, like when it comes to even like we're talking about Alex story right now and then, but like What's really crazy um, is as much as I still love Doyle and I like Danzig and everybody that's involved, whatever, it's almost kind of like back in the day with Sam Hay and the Misfits and even early Danzig, there was mystique. You know what I'm saying? But now with with social media, there's less mystique, but it's almost kind of like people that are smart about it, they reciprocate in the the right way. Like I'm too overexposed. I'm doing all these interviews like – I, there's a part of me that really never did want to want to hear Doyle speak. You know what I mean? I didn't want to hear. Oh, sure, speak. sure, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and like I the did, I call I call it the uh, the Osborns effect. Oh fuck yeah yeah yeah. Which over, I, which over, everyone over. that just heard me say that can probably figure out what I'm what I'm saying because that damn TV series completely demystified Ozzy Osbourne. 
it made me not even like I went through like a long time where I just didn't really care about Ozzy era Sabbath or any of like Ozzy's stuff just because it was just like Ozzy Osbourne became like a fucking like a pop icon for lack of a better way to put it in a way you know like mm-hmm. people people that that you know would would talk you know older people that would say that Ozzy is the devil or you know heavy metal is fucking corrupt you know corrupting people blah 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 they like and then they fucking be like oh yeah yeah in some ways it was kind of like if Ozzy Osbourne wanted to like not be you know um you know vilified and, and wanted to be like a normal person or whatever sure, but it, sure. the whole thing fucking backfired and it just it just it turned it all into shit as far as I'm concerned and I think that with podcasting I've I've easily heard about six or seven podcasts with Doyle, some with Alicia, you know, and some by himself, you know, Alisa, Alisa. Okay. Who the hell is Alicia? There's like a singer for somebody with that name. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, white ghouls or whatever her name is. But anyway, I've heard something with with them together. And on one hand, like, yeah, this is fucking rad breaking the fourth wall. You know, they're a cute little couple da da da. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, I remember like watching the first Danzig VHS when you sit there you know, talking, you know, sitting, you know, sitting next to the statue and talking and whatever, like, Oh fuck, you're hearing Glenn Danzig speak. Holy shit. And, it, and, he, he, and he was everything I wanted him to fucking be. Sure. You know what I mean? I always and, think of that. <laughs> Welcome to my book collection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it looked like there was water. Like there was water was near. Yeah. You know, the light, the reflecting light off of water. That's what it looked like. Yeah, I, I, like I totally understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, is he, is he in a, is he in a cave? No, it was <laughs> probably like... a, it was a flickering candle and the air conditioning kicked on. It's probably <laughs> right, like, right, right. You know? Yeah. All, all but yeah, magic, but yeah. I don't want to know. I mean, there's a part of me that just wishes I would have never found out that Doyle was a vegan and like, you know, was a, a you know, a, fitness enthusiast i want to know that he's fucking ripped because he's fucking made out of stone and oh, he doesn't sure eat. sure yeah you know what i mean yeah, so, yeah. I mean, well it's because you put you put you put those people up on like you know top tier godlike yeah. status oh yeah i mean on the osborne effect too even with like fucking like gene simmons family jewels you know shit like that you know i mean that you know what i mean that fucking yeah. same fucking thing you know and you know there's certain things when you're a diehard fan, you're like, Oh, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to fucking, it's, it's like being a fucking wrestling fan. You, you know, that fucking <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Andre the giant are best fucking friends. Right, you know, right. Or the road warriors and the fucking four horsemen are fucking dudes that hang out and drink. You know what I mean? And like, it's just what's gone on the past 20 fucking years with fucking with aggressive music is, is, is stuff that, that you would never in a million years think would happen. And, it's all happening at a fucking rapid pace. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so fucking much of it, dude. And like, yeah, well, it's, it's access. It's, it's mm, access, yeah. access to, to these artists. Uh, social media has broken the barriers where you can, you can have a couple Instagram messages with somebody in your favorite band, you know, that, that, that part of it's neat, but dude, I get, yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying because I remember when Doyle started doing his own press because he was promoting, he was promoting his own band. Now I remember when he started doing that and I remember watching that first interview going, huh? You know, I like in my, I remember saying to myself, like I expected him to sound like a dragon. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> like, like Gene Simmons like, from, a, from fucking a, the Phantom movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, like, I've met Doyle on a couple of occasions, and he's extremely nice. He gave me a Nutter Butter cookie the last time I saw him. Yeah. You're like, he's, he's, extre- he's a very nice guy. He's like, do you want a fucking Nutter Butter? Is that the Nutter like, Butter that's framed on your wall behind you? Next to the <laughs> well, yeah, I, when, I, when I got home, we kept it here in the Music, the Lifeblood bunker for probably like a month. Gross. And then and then I was and then I couldn't find it one day and I honestly think the dog might have got to it. Oh, Agus got it, of course. Right, did. right. But, <laughs> but but it's just funny that you can have those interactions. Like the the just I I walked up to him and I was like, "Hey, man, the show is great." He was like, "Do you want another butter?" And I was like, "Why? Thank you, Doyle. Yes, I do." I will have another butter. Thank you very much. When you told was, me that, dude, that's like my one of my fucking favorite things to eat ever. I'm a fucking peanut butter fiend, and I like right. and I like Doyle better. I like Doyle more. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, you just you just scored some fucking points in my book. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you, yep. Doyle. But it's the the access that you get is really interesting. The the thing like the thing I think of is. Like, because we got to tie it back to Danzig, because it feels like we're getting close to wrapping it up. But what I always think of, um, I had a little bit of back and forth with somebody in one of like the the misfit Sam Hain Danzig collector groups that I'm in. A little bit of back back and forth about um, the. I think we were talking about just um, how Glenn is is a nice guy, but he doesn't get painted that way. Um, sure because of he's had a lot of really sort of contentious interactions with the press, you know, like random online videos of him getting pissed about having cameras at shows, which, which I'm a hundred percent behind that. You know, the, I think he's got a damn good reason for it. Um, specifically, I heard Steve Zing get interviewed. Um, Steve got interviewed and Steve mentioned that, look, Glenn doesn't want shitty sounding audio of one of his shows to get on YouTube because it doesn't give you an accurate depiction of what the show was really like. And on top of that too, what if a promoter hears that and says mm. they fucking sound like garbage live? So wow. what is that? What is that? That compromises the band to, to be able to get a, to be able to get a good going rate as far as their fee to play a show and how to secure um, a good relationship with a promoter. And Glenn comes from old school. Like he was fucking hanging out at Max's Kansas City. Yeah. In the late 70s. And no one but the random photographer had a camera. People were all there living in the moment. These misfit shows, they they say you can't have your fucking phone. Don't be dicking around on your phone at the show. We're going to take that shit away or you gotta lock it up. And the re the reason is because everyone needs to focus on the fucking show. Mm-hmm. Because this shit isn't happening again. Yeah. It's not happening again, and you're not going to get a live out. It's not happening. So fucking suck it up because you guys bitched and moaned for 30-some years or 35, whatever the fuck it's been, however many years for us to do this, and we're finally doing it, and now you're fucking dicking around on Facebook. So to me, to me, it makes absolute sense. But anyway, people were talking about 
the uh, having access to him and what he's like, that sort of thing. And I chimed in a little bit. I mentioned that, you know, like when he does when he does autograph signings, it's not a thousand dollars. You know, like it is with a lot of these sort of legacy bands, um, you you can you can buy stuff that is that is directly from Glenn Danzig, like his eBay store. You can buy Verotic stuff that he's signed and he's made specifically available. That that it's called the Seventh House, I think Danzig official Facebook group. I think that's what it's called. But Seventh House is a a website that's been ran by a guy named Devil Man. He's Maurice Nunez. He's kind of like Glenn Danzig's body man. He he does he takes pictures. He helps Glenn like run his his website and his social media presence and stuff like that. And I could send Maurice a a message right now if I had a question. More like he and that's your direct pipeline to Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig probably doesn't have like a Instagram or a Facebook profile, whatever the case is. He uses a flip phone, man. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So that's that's the best way to get to to get to him. You can you can interact with people directly via stuff like that. And I think that shows you that he is approachable. You see pictures, you see pictures of fans meeting him where you can tell they're in LAX. They're in the airport in the terminal. Glenn's walking through. Somebody goes, holy shit, Glenn Danzig, can I get a picture? And he'll be like, yeah, come on. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, you get you get all those pictures with Glenn, you know, like occasionally I see stuff where like Glenn's with someone's kid. <laughs> and like Glenn is like smiling at the kid and they're having a good time, you know, just stuff like that. Or <clears throat> I see occasionally uh back backstage like uh footage like whether it's a cell phone or a camera whatever the case is of just glenn talking to people just being nice to people you know what i mean that sort of thing so he's approachable and i think he's compassionate you know i've talked to i've interviewed enough of the people that have worked close to him and or work for him i'm not going to name names because i don't want to because some of it's discussed off mic but he treats his people really fucking well. Really well. He makes sure that they're well taken care of as far as like his quote unquote employees. So the 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 shit that he gets out in the sort of open air of the internet and the world, you know, people like, oh, he's fucking buying kitty litter. So do I. So do you. You know what I mean? Like what what the fuck so what's funny about that? I thought it's it's funny because it's so odd because you never thought you would see Glenn Danzig carrying kitty litter. That's just not something you would see. But when you see it, you go, "Yeah, that's Glenn Danzig carrying kitty litter." What's the big deal? What's what's the big deal about it? So the demystifying thing, I think sometimes it's people that are at that level. I think sometimes it's used against them in a way that uh, uh, some people see it as an opportunity to take them down a peg. Well, and, and when, I think they, when they weren't necessarily, they didn't, they don't necessarily deserve to be taken down a peg. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, when, when he went from doing Sam Hain to Danzig, it was like, looking back, you can tell that he, that there was a lot of mystery and there was kind of like a, you know, they had their members of uh, Sam Hain, they had their hair in their face. That was their devil Yeah. But no, they didn't, well, okay. You've got like the thin devil lock and then you've got like the full on, like, Girl from Night of the Living Dead, fucking hair in the face. You know that famous sure. picture of of Metallica with Sam Hain, and they all got their hair in their face. Right, 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 right. Anyway, but so 
when he decided to do Danzig one, it was like, you know, they put, they, um, you know, you got to see that, that Glenn Danzig was a fan of pro wrestling. He was a fan of comic books. Oh, sure. Yeah. He was hanging out and, uh, um, kind of doing sort of like the almost LA, you know, fucking, um, cat house, whiskey, go, go kind of fucking hanging out type of band. They went from being like this dark brooding fucking goth punk band to a bunch of fucking bikers that fucking that bang strippers. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And then if you in the persona that's kind of like the fucking like the you know the fucking the the stripper banging bikers, you are more more approachable. You are more um out there. And when you watch that first VHS, he's like he's hanging out after the show signing autographs for hours. People are coming up to him and he's just fucking taking yep. whatever. So he went from kind of straight up, okay, well, you know, we're dark brooding fucking satanic cult called Sam Hain to like, hey, you're fucking awesome. You love my band. This is fucking great. I'm going to give you a high five in the front row. You're going to fucking spit at me. I got my fucking glove on. I'm going to punch you in the fucking front row. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Those, those, old, those old Sam Hain videos. <laughs> Good dude, Lord. He wasn't fucking around, dude. And like, you know, and he, he would wear the fucking like the MMA gloves on stage yep, when yep. Sam Hain started. Because he came from that school of like where, where fucking Black Flag came from, where Henry Rollins was in the front row getting his fucking people putting their cigarettes out on his fucking shins and he's punching people. People did that shit to fucking uh, Sam Hain because just like Misfits didn't tour as much, Sam Hain toured a lot more than fucking Misfits did. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's when people got a chance. These assholes are like, Probably some fucking stupid ass Nazi skinhead was like, if I ever fucking see Glenn Danzig, man, I'm gonna fucking punch him the way I did Henry Rollins last week. You know what I mean? That kind of shit. So that first fucking like, you know, big when Sam Hain started really touring, there was a lot of fucking violence going on, and I kind of think, you know, in a weird way, I'm only assuming that kind of maybe inspired Glenn to really get into Jeet Kune Do. And fucking like lift weights and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, which gives you, which gives him a whole other dimension. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Doyle would be a good example of that. The oh, fact yeah. that, you know, Doyle plays guitar. He's been in the Misfits. Blah, 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 blah. That's great. But he's a fitness nut. He's a vegan now. Yeah. Now we know who his girlfriend is. And I know how many kids he has. Yeah. I know, I know the names of them tattooed on his hands. You know, I know, I know Jerry and Doyle's other brother. You know, I know who he is. I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all that stuff adds layers and it's, it humanizes them. So mm-hmm. I think that the, the thing, the, the thing that's neat about seeing Glenn Danzig with cat litter is that you go, he's got to buy cat litter just like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, that's an interesting way to feel because I think it's I think it's important that those people that you idolize that you have to remember that there's a human element. You need to humanize them so that you don't have you don't spend all your time toiling away in these sort of unreal, you know, projections and fantasies of of who that person is because if you do, you know, if you do meet them, there's no way they can live up to that. There's no, no. fucking way. There's no way. You know the, the way that I worshipped, the the way that I worshipped uh, uh, AFI when I was a kid. If I had met AFI when I was twenty two, it would have went bad. It w- it would have went terribly, 
because I would have been like, <laughs> I love your lyric. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. like those the the footage of the kids, you know, at the Michael Jackson concerts just fucking losing their shit. Yeah. When you're a kid, it's important it's important to to remember that they're people too. You know, when- I always say stupid shit when I meet people that I fucking idolize, dude. It doesn't fucking matter. I met Henry Rollins back in 1991. I said some dumb shit about a book, and he changed the subject and started talking to somebody else. I fuck, you know, like uh, just he, Henry probably remembers that, which is yeah, which he probably remembers. Yeah, which <laughs> you know, shit like that. And then you know, it, it, I mean, I fucking when I when I met. Uh, I walked into this fucking this taco place next to the venue that Misfits were playing at when I was working security that night, and um, this Misfits, the Deftones, and uh, um, fucking uh, 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 Jerry was sitting there, and uh, um, and so was Des, right? Jerry full on had his fucking Coke bottle, Title Nineteen insurance, fucking glasses on, sure, fucking double lock pulled back, bald fucking Michael Bolton hair going on um, fucking balding mullet and fucking Des Kadena sitting there with glasses on, you know, in a fucking cardigan and, you know, and I was just like, Oh yeah. You know, uh, my friend Peter told me to tell you hi. He goes, yeah, give him my regards, you know, sitting there cross-legged drinking coffee. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like, that's fucking Jerry only and fucking Des Kadena. Yeah. People that fucking were like, you know, everything to me just like the scariest fucking people on the fucking planet and it's just it's it's so surreal and then there's the kind of interactions when you meet a band like say you go and get a meet meet and greet for slipknot and fucking you know Corey taylor comes off stage and he's still got part of his mask on and you know and he hugs the 15 year old girl or whatever or the little boy you know the person brings his little you know there's like the different there's like fresh off the stage in my persona interaction and then there's the out on the fucking street interaction and i think now because of social media there's the the lines are blurred so fucking much to where that it's you know you don't really have that so the music has got to be fucking really really good the art yeah well it causes it causes tension Mm -hmm. like i like i said it causes an unreal expectation that you expect that person to live up to Mm -hmm. and the, the the thing is like the thing is, like Doyle's got a fucking house payment, and he pays car insurance. And if yeah. the toilet clogs, he's got to plunge it. You now, know what I mean? Think- like the same thing with Glenn. Like Glenn's yeah. Glenn's got a yard that probably needs to be mowed. Well, <laughs> like, and I think I think people don't realize that. And when they and when they do get that opportunity to interact with them, they're they're expecting they're expecting that person to not be any of those things. To yeah. end that, and then already there's there's a disconnect that happens. So if the person doesn't communicate with you in the way that you are expecting them to communicate with to, with you in, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're a fucking asshole. You're a Brit. You're a jerk. You've sold out. You're a piece of shit. Well, yeah, that when, sort of thing. When you get a band that's on the fucking road, like you know, seven months out of the year, right? And then you get a a band that goes out like for like a weekend every other month or whatever, or big events or whatever, there's going to be a different type of vibe because you get like that. Like I think about like the, um, the, uh, the book, get in the van, the black flag book when they were fucking just constantly on tour. And they're like, he said something to the effect of like, you meet these people that hadn't fucking eaten in days. They fucking are the clothes they have with them are the clothes that are on their fucking backs. 
they get up on stage and get fucking abused and attacked and you want to yep. hang out with us after the fucking show are you fucking crazy yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. you take sam hayne you know 80 84 right those guys are fucking touring their ass off and shit like that they were the fucking hungry angry fucking emaciated fucking like ghouls on stage yeah you know and then they get off stage and they're fucking their minds are just fucking wiped from what they just did it's going to be a different, different kind of dude, you know? And I think that's what I really, really fucking like about that era, like of, of Sam Hain when Sam Hain existed, because just like you said, Glenn somehow managed to put out that output, you know, with the fucking, you know, he found the money, he found the time, he found the studio time. He wrote these songs, he did this shit and it came out the way it did. And I honestly think that not that Glenn's doing anything phony at all right now or in the past, but I honestly think that Sam Hain, what they were doing as a whole, as a band, the touring and the albums, was probably the most raw and honest shit Danzig's ever fucking done. Yeah. Yeah. I would think on, on yeah, when you get Rick Rubin involved, all mm -hmm. of a sudden there, there's another layer to pass through. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that very well could be. I would say Sam Hain and then post Rick Rubin Danzig. Sure, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he'll, I mean, he'll talk about once in a while, he'll talk about his feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was an interview. Um, he on I mean, he, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily do it a lot, but he'll, he'll do it. If you can you find know, he'll throw, he'll throw something in there. Uh, Steve Jones does a, a radio show called Jonesy's Ju uh, Jukebox. Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. <laughs> yeah. And he did a. Did He's you hear so, he is so fucking awkward of an interviewer. It really is. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> He interviewed Danzig like uh, in 2017. Awesome fucking interview. And yeah, there were. I remember Danzig. Uh, Glenn was talking about uh, he was sick. Yeah, yeah, he, he had a flu, and he was all like, "I, you know, I think it could be like an engineered kind of bug." Mm -hmm. And Steve, I remember Steve was like, uh, "What?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, they just kept going. Like I thought it was neat. It was it was a cool interview. But anyway, finish what you're saying. But yeah, but so you take that interview, and not even because he's an older guy, but like Glenn legit is eccentric, but not like in a fucking like uh, um not like in a fucking Crispin Glover kind of fucking way. You know, he's, he's got eccentricities that, that come from his fucking self-awareness and sure, sure. his, you know, and his, you know, the way he see, you know, his, his creative output and things he's into. And you listen to, you know, he, he carries around a flip phone, you know, doesn't fuck with social media. Um, you know, and he's, um, you know, he's still a diehard fucking Elvis fan, you know, and, um, you know, and he's just kind of like, he's, he's the same fucking guy. Right. And then you, you know, because he's been through all the stuff that he's been through right now. Right. And obviously like anybody, you go back, you know, every 20 years, every 10 years, you're in a different place, blah, blah, blah. But I really think that like when he was doing Sam Hain, he was like, look, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. <clears throat> I think I'm going to do this shit. I really, really want it to fucking be successful, but yet I want to fucking do what the fuck I want. So I'm going to be successful on my own terms. And I think that's really where he developed, like, I'm going to fucking do this shit. And it's going to be whether I'm fucking living in a fucking storage facility and sending out mail order shit, as long as I'm able to fucking do this, I'll do it the fuck I can. Sure. And that's when I think he really kind of got like, I don't think he was like, oh shit, I don't have fucking, you know, Jerry and Doyle anymore. I, don't have I think he was just kind of like, he was just like, yeah, it could fucking completely fucking fail. 
people might not like this at all because it sounds nothing like the Misfits. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, and I'm going to have full fucking control over everything. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's the point where Danzig really fucking became, you know, the, 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 the artist that he really wanted to fucking be. Yes. Yeah. To me, yeah, that's the changing point. That's absolutely the, the like I said, the, the sort of uh, artistic rebirth, I guess. Catalyst. You know, big, big awakening, the big bang, the big yeah, yeah. bang, I guess. I don't know whatever you would want to call it. But, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think, I think too, the, I'm, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we talked a little bit about um, the, the folly of just being a dick <laughs> <clears throat> to, the, to the people that you idolize. If you get the opportunity to meet them, don't be a dumbass. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just I mean it's that simple. Like if it looks like they want to be left alone, fucking leave them alone. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Just deal with it. Suck it up. Fucking leave them alone. If you they're eating... meet... Yeah, you don't have to meet all of them. Like <laughs> I'm actually I kind of you know, I've never met a single member of Kiss ever. Lemmy passed away, so I never really got a chance to you know to meet him. Um there's a lot of people out there that like, you know, I've met people, I've you know, met famous people and stuff like that and it was a for, it was a either a forgettable interaction, or I said, you know, everything I've I've always wanted to say to this person fucking left my brain and I couldn't fucking form a thought, you know what I mean, or whatever yeah. the fuck. But all in all, like you said, you know, you don't have to fucking get a photo with the person. You don't have to have them sign your shit. You right. went to the show. You got that fucking show. You put your fucking phone away. Yeah. You got the show. They fucking gave you what the fuck you wanted. Why? You, why do you want any more? Why the you fuck? Got, you you, you got you got what you paid for. Yeah. Not nothing you less. Fucking and I I fucking hate that entitlement mentality. Yeah. I see it. I see it so fucking bad in the Kiss community for one, the Kiss fan community. But it also pops up. It's unfortunate, but it pops up in the Danzig arena of bands fan community. Um, when Doyle a while back you know, did that interview and he was venting about, um, being, you know, the, the frustration he had with, you know, having to do meet and greets to be able to, to be able to get, to get a stream of revenue coming in. But it fucking makes sense. Like the frustration is I, I a hundred percent get that, you know, we've, we've, as, as music consumers, we've virtually eliminated a revenue stream for them in physical units. Yeah. Now streaming, they'll they'll get some money from streaming, but streaming is not built yeah. in a way that puts the artist at an advantage. That's why you won't find this. Or, or or I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say advantage. I don't think streaming is built in a, Spotify specifically. I don't think Spotify is built in a way that is that is good business for the bands and the artists. I, I don't. I just. I don't think it's good for them. You you listen to a song. You have a million plays on a song, and how much do you get off of that? You know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's you a know, when, when someone like Taylor Swift, when Taylor Swift at the sort of Megalodon level, she is as far as exposure and, and streams and downloads and shit like that. When Taylor Swift says, uh, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? That ought to yeah. tell you something that should tell you something about it. So the frustration that Doyle articulated into that interview turned into, well, you think your fans are dicks. Like, how the fuck did you arrive at that, you fucking lepton? Yeah. You know, what, you know what I mean? How do you get to that point when you read that quote? How do you get that out of that? 
He's referring. He's referring. He's referring to the 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 people that that consume the music in a non, um, in a way in a way that's completely eliminates any kind of beneficial component to the bands. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't have a career without the Misfits, and I bought all the albums. Okay. <laughs> Are you listening to my music now? Did you pay for it? No. like what what are you that dumb you know it's just it's just so fucking that entitlement bullshit like that that fucking 140 character culture shit that you know from twitter the entitlement mentality of everyone you know treating treating artists and bands like you fucking owe me something because i bought your album Mm-hmm. No, I don't owe you anything. You bought the album. You got what you paid for. You don't and get I, anything else. Any Anything that comes, you're not entitled to anything after that. Anything you get is a fucking bonus. Say thank you and walk away, dickhead. What about, okay, check check this out. Like on, on, on the same kind of thing, think about it in comparison to you're on, you're on Facebook and somebody adds you, hey, you know, I like your show or whatever, or you're a mutual friend and they, they add you on, on Facebook. Cool. You accept the friend request. They send you a message. And hey, then you immediately get a check out my band. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> check, check, out, check out my band. Right. Right. And, right. And they get pissed when you don't fucking like the band. Yes. Okay. Yes. I've, I've ran into it too because, because of music, the lifeblood, because, you know, we have the Facebook and I talk about, you know, I don't, I don't always talk about big bands on vinyl Thursday. I talk about smaller bands. Like I did worm, Witch this week I've, you know, skeleton, Witch. they're not like Metallica level band. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So we'll get bands that will send links and, and downloads to the, like the, the music, the lifeblood social media. And they'll say, Hey man, it'd be awesome if you could do a review of our album on, on vinyl Thursday. And Sometimes I reply, sometimes I don't. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes I don't. And because it's just the sheer amount of notifications in a single day for for music, the lifeblood from all the social media grand total, it's overwhelming. I can't. How often do you see the the yellow flag with one thousand something next to it? (laughs) Often. Yeah, every fucking day, like (laughs) my phone, I'm like Jesus fucking Christ, you know. And like my band will have like. Three or four notifications. My graphic designer have couple. Use the lifeblood to have fucking like seven hundred and twenty-five un- unchecked notifications. Yeah, and we're not even that big of an entity. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I get people that'll that'll. Hey, man, what would it take for you to do an episode on us? Um, you and like, have a reason for me to do an episode on you. There, there is there was one time in the past where like it was just like, come on. You know what I mean? And I just said for me to like your band. <laughs> Period. Send. <laughs> and it's just like what like seriously, you're hound you're hounding us left and right for like like look, I when it comes to like when it comes to vinyl Thursday, I'm only gonna talk about the stuff I like. That's the way it is. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do anything but that. So I mean, but I mean, like even that in that sense, we're not that big. I'm talking like, you know, like we're the biggest we're like we're the next, you know 
you know, fucking BWBK. You know what I mean? We're not. You know what I mean? We're a small, piddly little thing, and I put out stupid little shows, and sometimes people watch it, sometimes they don't. So it's not. But but what I'm talking about is that sort of entitlement sort well, yeah. of thing, like I like I was mentioning, and that entitlement. It just it's bad for everybody. Do you think that some fans, when they get the interaction that they want from a certain artist that they fucking like, okay, cool. I've conquered that now on to the next, like they, they get, cause I've always kind of thought of it like this. Like, let's say again, like a social, social media thing here. Like somebody's messages, you, you, you're talking to them. You have not even about like my band, da, da, da. you're talking to them. You talk to this person a few times a week, right? You go to a show, you see them, they see you. They don't say one fucking word to you at all. <laughs> I've, well, I don't run into that. Okay. Well, anyway, that yeah. happens a lot. A lot of our listeners will probably go, Hey, I've talked to this person. They're on social media. They, they like my posts all the fucking time. They comment. We're in the same uh, public place, but this person just doesn't come up to me and talk to me at all. Right. I mean, sometimes so, people, people don't like to break the barrier. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it can exactly be that. so check it out with certain bands. What I think is good is you go to the show. You, you you see them like five times in one year. Like this is my fucking favorite band or one of my favorite bands. And you don't ever meet them. And you see them. Another album comes out. You buy that album. You watch their, you know, their, their YouTube output or whatever. You go see them live, whatever. It just keep, keeps it going. And I kind of think that like in the back of their head, people are thinking, okay, well, one of these days I'm going to meet them or whatever. But I kind of don't want to at the same time. Because sure. I'm enjoying – and that's kind of how I, I've always fucking been where it's kind of like, you know, I, I dig it. It's not really like a fucking like a chase going on. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'm afraid that if I was to meet some people in some bands or I go see them like six times I, I see them, we hang out. I'm going to be like next time they come through town, <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to go see them because, you know, it's just like every, everything that I kind of wanted. So I kind of feel that like if you take out so, take away social media. Take away the meet and greets. You can only fucking buy your ticket, walk into the concert, get in there, see them on stage or see their videos online. That's all you get. I personally think that on a level below that where Sam Hain was, where they were an underground fucking band and they did everything that they fucking did. I think that that makes a line in the sand where you got diehard fans or people that don't fucking get it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think sometimes barriers are good. I love it. That's why <laughs> I fucking it's, it's I mean, a hallmark. It's a hallmark of it's a hallmark of conservative thought. Not even like political conservatism, but just conservatism as a trait in your personality. Sure. You know, yeah. not to run into a situation blind and be stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, bar- barriers sometimes barriers are good, and I think there's been a lot of times like, you know. When I've went and seen Cancer Slug and I've went and seen Doyle, I want to go talk to Alex. You know what I mean? I, I want to go talk to him. I want to just be like, I want to vomit, you know, just ah things at you. But what kind of day is he having? You know what I mean? What what could, like, I don't know, maybe he got in a fucking fight with his mom earlier. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe he's hungover. I don't, it could be any, a million different things. I don't know what it would be. And I think people have a hard time remembering stuff like that, that that other person is a person mm-hmm. and it's, and it's hard for them to, it's hard for them to, to, to be able to deal with that, especially in the moment because they're so fucking eager. 
Yeah. So, like I said, if they're eating, let them eat. But let them eat. If they're with their wife, fucking let them be with their wife. Don't go bother them. You know what I mean? If they're just literally walking down the street randomly, you okay? You could be like, "Hey, Mister Danzig, I'm a fan. Um, can I give you a nutter butter?" <laughs> you know where I, where I, learned, I learned my I learned that lesson back in uh, '94. Uh, I went and saw um, Green Day when Dookie came out. Right? Um, they were wow. playing. They were playing <laughs> yeah. a place in in Omaha, Nebraska called the Ranch Bowl. It was a bowling alley that had a club inside it. I saw every everybody from fucking Rollins Band to fucking Social Distortion to Bad Brains to Mr. Bungle. Saw so many great fucking shows there, right? So Green Day is playing there. Billy Joe Armstrong and Mike Durant and fucking Trey Cool are bowling, right? Like everybody else is bowling. I've got my copy of fucking Kerplunk. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? And uh, Mike Durant's like, hey, or uh, uh, Billy Joel's like, hey, what's going on, man? You know, you guys are here for the show. Awesome, whatever. And uh, I was like, hey, can you do me a favor? Could, could you sign this? He's like, cool, I'll sign this. And uh, just as Billy Joel, got done, uh, Billy Joel got done signing it, I get ready to hand it to fucking. Uh, Mike, Mike Durant gave me the fucking evilest fucking look. Like, really? You're f- <laughs> we're doing this? And he signed my CD, Hey Man, I'm fucking bowling, Mike Durant. <laughs> that was the last time I ever asked for an autograph. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Part part of me says you fucking ask for it. <laughs> year old kid, it was like, oh, you know, this is you fucking owe me. You know, this is, you're here, I'm here, sign it. You know, but I straight up fucking walked up on him with me and fucking three of my friends, and here, sign this. And I didn't know any icebreakers. I didn't fucking know it because because the thing of it is, all the shows I've gone to before that were these bands that were like small <laughs> level that were touring and playing like this club called the cattle club that was in Sioux city, Iowa. And since I worked there, I would be there before the show. Sure. Kind sure. Of doing stuff, hang out, do the show. Maybe my band was opening, blah, blah, blah. Hang out afterwards. Cause they were probably staying at a friend of mine's house. And then I'd buy, I'd buy the fucking, their seven inch from them. And later on, I just be like, Hey man, after I bought it a couple hours later, we're hanging out. Hey, would you mind signing this? No problem, man. We had time to fucking kind of commingle, right? Here, yes. I'm fucking Mike Dirt doesn't fucking know me from fucking Adam. Boom, sign my fucking kerplunk. Hey, man, I'm fucking bowling, Mike. That's what you fucking get, <laughs> asshole. You know? And well, I think, well, I think what, what you established with the other band was context. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah, you learn, yeah, yeah. you learn, you learn the context of the mood that they're in and the day mm-hmm. that they're having. Yeah. Now, that said, I do think I do think there is a little bit of a. I heard, um, I think it was Alice Cooper. I, I want to, I think Alice Cooper, where Alice Cooper said, "If you see a fan outside, it's up to you to make the. It's up to you, as the the person that they want to talk to." to you can kind of steer that interaction in a good or a bad direction. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's an element of that. But like I said, there's a just a just a people element. If if it looks like they're in a bad mood, fucking leave them alone. Sorry yeah. about your luck. You're not going to get your autograph. And and realistically, you know, people that want autographs, I'm not an autograph hound. I'm not into it. You know, I have I have a Bruce Kulick autograph. 
I have one <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I think it's in the other room. I don't know which one is in. Um, I have a Bruce Kulick autograph, but that was at a signing. Yeah. You know, where they're specifically facilitating this is what I'm doing. I just think like, oh, that fucking entitlement mentality. God, it just, it ruins shit. And that's why you get, you get stuff like, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the free market. Fucking make your money, sell your shit, do what you got to do to to make a make a buck. I'm all about it. But you know, the the dudes that walk up to somebody and have them sign ten things in a row while they're standing outside of the bus, yeah, like, you're just making it fucking suck for the rest of us, you douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Like it's. There's no other word. There's no other way to say it. You're you're literally you're you're literally stamping out that sought after person's desire to continue to want to interact with the fan community. And so, like Doyle said in that interview, it's frustrating for him because he has to do those meet and greets to be able to to maintain a revenue stream. And then the 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 reaction to it is just that. It's just more of that entitlement bullshit. Yeah, it's just it's stupid, which well, I, don't, I, I don't run into. I don't run into it with like straight up Glenn Danzig fans. I just don't see it. I don't see it very often because I think he gives in an appropriate amount of access. You know, he has yeah. he'll release like he'll like he did his hidden lyrics of the left hand, the volume two. Um, he signed a bunch of them and he made them available um, for people to buy. I think they posted it in that seventh house group. Maurice made a post and was like, if you want one, get it. Here it is. Look at the era um, of, of, of Sam Hain. And um, you got like the slightly earlier in the eighties when you ever seen the, um, the movie um, another state of mind, you know, social distortion, youth brigade. Oh yeah. 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 You see youth brigade and social distortion on tour. Right. And you've got, um, you know, the Youth Brigade shows, circle pitting, stage diving, you know, fucking like the, you know, ground zero for a hardcore show. People piling on, this and that, you know, and then you see Social Distortion, similar thing, but you got kind of like more like the people that are bordering on rockabilly people that are there and stuff like that. And then you got the rockers and, and whatnot. And it's just kind of this whole thing. But the whole thing is there is no fucking barrier between the audience and the fan it's kind of like you're the you know the guy that's on stage is 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 one of us this is our tribal musical movement right so when you watch the sam hayne live 84 or live 85 thing or whatever um it's not guys in costumes on stage with fucking regalia and everything and people it's like people fucking stage diving and fucking crazy fucking pit instruments getting broken on stage because people are going fucking fucking crazy you know nobody after a fucking sam hayne show was asking glenn for a fucking autograph i mean there might have been maybe some but in reality it was the fucking punk rock scene it was a hardcore scene it was the fucking it was the underground and glenn danzig had this thing where yeah you know i fucking i love star trek i love kiss you know i love all this fucking you know larger than life stuff I love Frankenstein or whatever. And all in all, you could see when the misfits were around, they, they contributed so much to the hardcore scene and the punk scene back then. Um, but yet they still did their own fucking thing. Other yeah. people tried to do, you know, <clears throat> yeah. and, and when Sam Hain came on, Sam Hain was like, you know, like, wow, Glenn, you fucking, you mean this shit. You're still doing this. You're still this guy. 
And there was there was fucking, you know, still the gnarly fucking show where people getting fucked up, people getting attacked on stage, this, this, and this. So Glenn Danzig was doing what he was trying to do, this totally macabre fucking, you know, like satanic, you know, cult kind of thing on stage in the midst of the violent hardcore punk scene. And it was just such a fucking awesome dichotomy and such an awesome clash of worlds that, you know, that spawned so much shit. And obviously, you know, Glenn Danzig is influenced by what he's into at the time and shit like that when he's younger, just like anybody else, you know, but it's just kind of like when you, when you look at that and then you look at kind of where we're at right now, it's like when you get people that went to a show, then they would get the flyer or be word of mouth or someone's like, Hey, I don't have shit to do tonight. You know, I've got fucking four, four channels on TV. Right. Nothing worth a shit. I'm going to go to a show. Fuck, man. I'm, the, people people at those shows were discovering Sam Hain at that fucking show. Yeah. You know? what, well, what you're, what you're articulating, again, is the breakdown of there wasn't as much of a barrier. So without mm-hmm. that barrier, the context is that you have a bit more of casual um, – uh, a, a bit more of a casual access to the yeah. band. That's that's what that's what you're talking about. So like no, there there wasn't there there probably wasn't many people asking for autographs because Glenn was just sort of around and it wasn't Mm -hmm. he just you know what I mean that sort of thing. So it'd be nice if that carried over to a lot of like fan communities today. You know what I mean? That that would be neat, but it's not always there. But yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're going for. It's it it's interesting because. It's just, it's, huh. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to Sam Hain, that is such a, in, it's, it's just such an important snapshot in the genesis of aggressive music, in my opinion. Yeah. And specifically, aggressive music that's uh, tilted towards the macabre, the horror, the dark, the, the, all that stuff we were talking about earlier. It's just, good lord, it's. It's it's, fa- just, it's, it's it's fascinating. It's just well, absolutely it's fascinating. Then. You know that like that that in the midst of that type of fucking punk scene, that was what was going on then. And it was just like it's just it's it smashes it just fucking smashes into it. It's just so it's so confrontational. Sam Hain was such a fucking confrontational fucking band on so many fucking levels. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a very yeah. fucking real element of danger and violence, you know. Yep. Even though they were, you know, done up in, you know, in, you know, not even costumes. I mean, they probably dressed like that on a regular basis, you know? <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Those are street clothes. You yep. know I mean? that's, part, that's one of the things I always think of um, when it comes to, like, the punk rock movement, especially. Um, you ever you ever watch a kind of a, a lower budget movie? And when you when you watch the movie, you notice how all the costumes they don't look lived in. Yeah, they look new, like they were just bought mm-hmm. and and put on for that movie. That's one of the things that you can spot the authenticity of a lot of the the stuff that came out of the punk rock movement, because you can spot those bands because what what they they look lived in, not mm-hmm. just their clothes, but just their attitude. Their lyrics, their live shows, they all looked very lived in. And to me, <clears throat> Sam Hain especially, you know, one of the things that I learned by, from interviewing Steve and Erie and Pete, uh, Damien, 
um, the guy that played guitar for Sam Hain, um, uh, was that like they had kind of a hard fucking slog of it. You know what I mean? It was not easy being Sam Hain. You know, you're you're in a van, you're in a van <laughs> for a long fucking time, and it's not amazing. You don't always have the best place to sleep. You know, you're only going to eat off the McDonald's value menu. You know what I mean? That uh, it's just that sort of stuff that lived in quality. That's one of the things where I remember coming up for air on my brother when he was poking me about how bad Sam Haynes catalog sounds. That's, you know, one of the things like that is a lived in kind of band where it is evident. The struggle to be a band is evident in that yeah. cattle in that catalog. It's that's what I gravitate towards in general when it comes to music. You know what I mean? Like of all the stuff that I like, you know, it's, it's gotta have that kind of thing because what I was going to touch on is when you hear the Sam Haynes stuff and you hear the uh, misfit stuff, like pre um, walk among us or whatever, it's, you get these bands like these orange. I always like the orange County punk stuff. Like I, I liked LA's wasted youth. I liked fucking adolescence. You know, I liked fucking TSOL and like the orange County shit because a lot of this stuff is okay. You guys, you have two hours to record your fucking um, your your twenty minute record. Go do it. Boom, and it was so in the fucking moment, so fucking yep. in the moment. Yeah, it, it was about it was about right now. Yes, you know, and it's, it's always about right now. That's and that's what I hate when something like hardcore or black metal or death metal or something becomes formulaic because you get these artists that want to get in there and they. They want to, okay, I want to, I want to make this thing, this, you know, it just becomes contrived. Yeah. It's very fucking. And then when something just comes out and you go, okay. And then, you know, an album comes legendary. And then 30 years later, you always hated the fucking way that album sounded, man. We had no time to work on it. Like that's what made it good. You fucking had very little time to work on it. You fucking just did it. Well, it's what makes it unique and precious and special. Yeah. The fact that, the fact that. When Spot record, you know, Spot recorded a lot of stuff, and eventually Spot, for the most part, figured out what he was doing. <laughs> but it it took a while. Yeah. you know what I mean. It took quite a while, you know, for him to get it 100 percent dialed in. And even then, I still don't think he did. You know what I mean. So a lot of those records recorded by Spot, I know Glenn doesn't like the vocals on Earth AD Wolves Blood. He feels like they're buried, but. You know what I mean? They they were able to capture lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, it, but and that's what makes the the you know makes the album special. The fact that you know the intro to Initium part of it was recorded in Steve Zing's bedroom. You know when it, when you listen to when you listen to that now you go like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's fucking awesome. You yeah, know what I mean? Cool. It makes it it gives it it gives it more levels of. Uh, it makes it more complex. It makes it more profound. It makes it more, uh, you know, even like profound would be the best word to say because something doesn't have to be complex to be profound. Well, and they they took that that famous photo of them with the blood, you know, like the downward shot was like a, I think the they were standing at the bottom of the fucking basement steps of like Lyle Pressler's house or something. I th- I think it's Glenn. I think it was Glenn's apartment. Okay. Uh, I think Glenn had like a. I do, I'm not 100% sure. I know Glenn lived with his grandma for a while. Yeah. And I my it's bubbling to inside of my memories that it was potentially his grandma's basement. 
Yeah, I knew it was. Yeah. Or, or his apartment. I think at one point he had like a like a lower level kind of underground apartment. Yeah. But don't don't quote me on that because all the all the like the 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 Danzig family bands hardcore people be like you're fucking wrong you douchebag you got your trivia wrong you yeah yeah eh, that's what's I'm popping into my head I don't really give a fuck really <laughs> when it comes down to it right 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 we just gave you a free two hour conversation right yeah so there's your entitlement mentality have some of that <laughs> all right so it feels like we're wrapping it up so real quick. Um, mandatory, mandatory Sam Hain song to listen to. What do you think it is? Um, honestly, I, I would probably, uh, no, the song November coming fire. Oh, I love that fucking song. And I think it's, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's a good example of the transition between fucking, um, Misfits and Danzig. And it's got like, it's got cause that, that song, if it was cleaned up, it could be, it could be a, um, it could be a dancing song, you know, whatever, but it's just, it's to me, that is like one of Glenn's best vocal performances on the whole Sam Hain thing. And sure. Sure. And the drums and the riff. I mean, it's, that's, I would say, go find that on online. The howl, like you said earlier in the episode, fucking sick song. <laughs> fucking sick song. Lyrics. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's going to be mine. Um, I'm going to say, um, I'll say mother of mercy or to walk the night from November coming fire. I am misery from unholy passion. <laughs> and then I'll say the howl live from the live 85, 86 album in the box set. So you're going to have to do some digging to find that. And then all hell breaks loose. Uh, the fucking Sam Hain version of that's pretty fucking badass. Oh yeah, that is, that is pretty With good. weird drumbeat. Yeah, kind of like yeah. falling down the stairs. Yeah, the riff, the the riff, yeah. the, the riff that it begins with the riff, which is pretty interesting. Which that's a cool rework of that song. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what from Initium. I honestly don't know what to say. Maybe Black Dream. Mm, Black Dream is a sick fucking song too. <laughs> I mean, it's that's a good song. I was watching, I was watching a bootleg, um, listening to. I was lifting weights before we hopped on the call, and um, I was listening to Black Dream. <clears throat> uh, live and they had opened with it and it was a really good opener or at least i think it was an opener <laughs> dude it, it's i got it, a, i got a lot running through my head right now about sam hayne so i might be wrong on that but anyway it's almost Black illegal it's almost illegal how hard it is to fucking find any of that stuff in physical form um like you can find it on you can find all of it on cassette for around 50 bucks a piece on discogs yeah. Yeah, that's all really those, about it. All those bootlegs duplicating and stuff like that. I like, you know, it'd be nice to get like something, um, something else live officially from Sam Hain would be really neat. Yeah, just as just the same as uh, the Misfits, especially the reunion Misfits, because I want to hear that group of musicians at at the at the sort of zenith of their powers. You know what I mean? And I I would include AC Slade and Dave Lombardo in that. Well, didn't they have yep. didn't, um the uh the, the last run of the Sam Haynes shows that they did, um they had the guitar player from Baroness, um in in that lineup like somebody from Baroness was, was that who it was? Yeah, okay. uh, one of the guys from ba okay. uh, Baroness um was on guitar I believe. Oh no kidding! Mm -hmm. I I didn't realize that. Is it the long hair guy? It's not John, obviously. 
but it's it's the the long haired dude, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Fuck, with it. I, it's it's whatever. I'm not a big Baroness fan. They're too proggy for me. But uh, Baroness is a good man. They're good, but they're they're they they're just like they're like a non dynamic um, mass early Mastodon. I mean, they're good, but I just I don't know. They, they get too proggy for me. I don't know. Just not into it. Okay. I like caveman shit. <laughs> yes, you do. I, I like I like Sam Hain and Revenge. I like, <laughs> right. I, like, I like I like War Metal and Motorhead. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Which makes sense given given that you beat things up with your your hands and your feet. My yeah, my fucking bad knees. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's the that's the Sam Hain conversation. So, welcome to halfway to Dan Ziggerbration, Sam Hain and May. Feeling good. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing all right uh we don't know what we're going to talk about next episode we'll figure it out later sounds good okay all right that's another episode of music of the lightbloods conversations from the pit rapping music of the lightblood something old something new what are you listening to the howl of course <laughs>